This is The Business Machine. We talk with small business owners and entrepreneurs to get their advice on how they run their machines. These inspirational leaders share with us some of the tools they use to run their machines and talk about some of the mistakes they made along the way and what they learned. As business owners, we're all trying to fuel our machines, create a great team, and put tools in place so that eventually our machines will run themselves. So get ready. Up next, the business machine is firing up. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the business machine. I say this every time, but I'm not lying. Super excited. And we've got a local guest in here uh, today, which is exciting for us because we love our city of Lansing. And a good friend of ours is here. On the business machine, I'm Brian Town, the host of Business Machine and CEO of Michigan Creative, and we have Mike Bass here. And Mike wears multiple hats, so let me just go through them real quick. He is multiple hat wearer at Friedland, right? <laughs> yes. And we don't know what this title so. is yet today. Yeah. It changes every day. He's also the founder of Connect and Hall. We're going to talk about that a lot. It's a really cool program. And he actually has a podcast too called Running a Family Business, and and um, we'll we'll speak about that. So, Mike, thanks for coming. Thank you for having me, Brian. It's How awesome. Do- How are you doing here. today, man? I'm doing all right. Yeah. Uh, it's, you said you were yeah. trying not to be stressed out when you walked in. Like. <laughs> yeah, I think that kind of goes along with wearing a, a ton of hats. You know, when you know, I looked at the questions and you said, you know, what do you what do you do? I guess I'm a professional hat wearer, maybe. Right. Yeah. I think we're all that too. And so, if somebody came up to you at a, at a networking party, and we've been at the chamber parties before oh, too, yeah. Yeah. you know, and say, hey, man, what do you do? In one sentence, what would you in say? In one sentence, yeah. right. Um, well, I'll try to just use a lot of commas then. Um, so, uh, you know, when it comes to Friedland, uh, so Friedland Industries is my family's company. I, uh, we're a scrap processing and recycling company. We process metals, paper, plastics, electronics for remelt recycling or, uh, or in the case of paper, repulp recycling. Um, and I'm... I guess you could say I'm an account representative, so I handle anything from pricing out accounts to, uh, we also do confidential shredding, so handling our confidential shredding accounts, or a number of them anyway, to um, PR, marketing, social media, government relations. Um, <laughs> that's yeah, a lot. Yeah, a, a lot and that's of not, That's yeah. half of it? And that's, I suppose, half of it, right? <laughs> um, and so with Connect and Hall, that's a side business that I just started, kind of related to Friedland, but separate. So, I mean, we're, we're going to get into that. I'll yeah. get into the details of that. Um, but uh, so, I guess you could say I'm the founder of that. Um, I also have a podcast, like you mentioned, called The Family Business Experience. Um, and it's focused on the uniqueness, I guess, of growing up in a family business and sure. speaking with others who I'd love to have you on it, even though you don't have to be from a family business, right. you know, to be on it. But it's just always a unique experience talking to people who are. And how they balance, make that work-life yeah. balance. I know you focus on that with your yeah. podcast. Yeah, and my employees so. are my family, kind yeah. of. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. You <laughs> they know? wouldn't admit and it, but you know. That's exactly what it feels like. Um, and then finally, I'm a musician. I've been a musician yeah. for a long time, and kind of still do that on the side. So. So super talented. You've got a lot of things <laughs> going on right now, and and let, let's talk about Freeland just for a minute too, because I really want to give people the idea of what that is and and who you serve and mm-hmm. and and where you've come, because I know that Freeland's probably changed. It's a kind of industry that really changes, oh, yeah. and where where you see that going, and and so somebody, what would somebody typically go to Friedland for? Sure. Well, I, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, Friedland is the, the we have a history in Old Town since 1886, actually. So it's about 130 years old. Um, my great grandfather David Friedland was an immigrant from Latvia. Really, I didn't yeah, know that. Wow. Who came here with nothing essentially, and 
started just trading objects with horse and cart, you know, either for other objects or for money that he knew he could use. Because he knew that the, the metals, for example, the pots and pans or whatever could yeah. be remelted. Um, that evolved into what was called scrap processing. Um, and today it's called recycling. So like people think of recycling today, but it's, they don't usually, there, there tends to be a disconnect between what people think and want recycling to be versus what it actually takes to make it happen. And so... So recycling to a lot of people is you take your cans back to Meyer. Right, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. And it, it doesn't end there. Right? I hate you that know, shit. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's, you know, I, I guess you could say that's another role of mine at Friedland has been to help educate the public. Mm -hmm. We do a radio segment called Scraponomics. And so, and I write that and it, it's about understanding the fundamental economics of recycling, but how, how it's really tied into commodities and the economy and how it has to work economically and cost-effectively in order to work correctly. So right. like the word recycling has been around since the 1980s or so, but the concept... Yeah, you that's know, interesting because you and I had talked longer. about that before with your grand, with your great-grandfather. Yeah. Uh -huh. And he's been recycling for a long time. Yeah, exactly. And really and a lot of people think it's just... Before. It's new and it's in the 80s and 90s. Yeah. And let's recycle because it's good for the planet. Right, right. But that's been... And unfortunately, because of that, there tends to be a lot of misinformation, you know, about how things are, are recycled or, um, you know, like... A small example would be things like, you know, paper towel, napkins, toilet paper, things like that. Yeah. Um, it, it's all of a sudden this new thing to say, well, our paper towel is environmentally green, right? Where, yeah, yeah. You know, I've seen it's that. made from yeah. recycled paper. Well, yeah. the reality is it always was made from <laughs> oh, really? recycled paper, right? Uh, it's just that people, it wasn't, people didn't want to know that they were using used paper before the 1980s. Yeah. All of a sudden, when it became fashionable, green movement. There you go. Now, <laughs> no. now it's a big deal, right? So part of what we do is try to explain those things to the public so that, they can have a whole different perspective on what recycling actually means. So why do you think they need to have that perspective? I, I get it, but why do you think that's important for the average consumer who puts their um, Captain Kirby out on, on the road for Granger to pick up? Sure. Um, who puts their milk bottles in and or their milk containers, whatever they're called. <laughs> sure, sure. So why, why do you think that that education piece is important rather than just saying, hey, you should recycle? Well, a number of reasons. I think that especially when... So people can filter properly when you have politicians that say to you, we need to increase the recycling rates to whatever percent without giving any thought to, to what it actually takes to make it happen and also yeah. that it already is happening, right. but just not in the way that they're thinking about it. Um, so unfortunately, when people hear that, they think, oh, wow, Michigan's not recycling. And it's, it's all... A lot of it is based on whatever that politician's agenda is. And they, you know, that politician what, probably doesn't know either. Well, right. I mean, like one thing that we've always been pretty vocally against has been like the single stream recycling movement. So single stream recycling, for those who don't know what it is, that's where you have one bin, right? And and say it's on the on on wherever, the city of Lansing, right? Yep. Um, and you can throw everything in there. And, and the idea is that everything will get separated on the other end and be fine and, and recycled. You well, can't just put it all in one machine and magically have it spit stuff <laughs> Right, up. exactly. Oh. And then some magic happens. And then, oh, right. okay. Right, right, right exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. The, the problem with that is that that's very difficult to monitor something like that. So you could have, you know, Brian, would you would, would show up with paper that you want to recycle. You throw it in that bin, and that's fine, right? Then five minutes later... John Doe comes up behind you with, you know, eating nachos out of his plastic nacho container or whatever, there's cheese on it or whatever. He sees the recycling symbol and says, oh, well, you know, that has the recycling symbol on it. It's recyclable. Throws it in there. Totally screwing up the paper in the process, right? Because yeah. with all the food waste. Yeah. And someone comes in behind him with a broken glass bottle, you know, and then throws it in there. So it, what that does when you're trying to 
send like a, a bale of paper, for example, to which is what we create to send to paper mills. So paper mills totally hate that stuff. If there's any glass shards yeah, in mixing with the paper, right? it totally ruins it, mm, right? It can mess up their process, their equipment. So, um, you know, that's why I think that education is a big deal. I mean, that really it's, it, while single stream, something like single stream is more convenient on the front end, on the consumer, consumer end, side, yep. it creates an, a, a total nightmare on the other end. Which you know, is cost the, and... Well, right, it ends up just costing taxpayers more money. Because right? I think so, uh, another common misconception which is related to this is that well here you guys are getting this junk and you're just re- right, you're turning it scrap derogatory can we edit that out <laughs> no, 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 it's going right. i'm glad you said it because yeah. that is one of the things we try to that's why that's why i said it yeah, yeah. So i'm a really smart host exactly <laughs> that's right but but i think oh, and correct me if i'm wrong but people think that you get all this stuff and it's basically you're getting it for free and then you just turn it into gold because right, you, right. You, you get free scrap product from people that they don't want and Friedland is just, you know, taking this and you're making all kinds, but there's a lot more to it. There's so much more to it. Actually, when it comes to the single stream stuff, we don't even take that stuff actually because of all the problems, right? Right. You can't make money on it. And because there's, I don't want to put my employees in a situation where they're handling, you know, broken glass or or whatever, you know, Um, there tends to be, you know, like rodents and stuff like that in that single stream stuff. So, it kind of sucks for the single stream processors that are out there who have to deal with it, that try to deal with it anyway. Um, so what is yeah. the solution to, to, to that? And because and, I think a lot of stuff that you, you're taking is probably not consumer direct to you. Uh, it's both. It's all it's of the both. above. Okay. So it's anything from you cleaning out your garage and, and saying, okay, well, I have these broken, uh, this broken down washer and dryer, old shelving units. An old right? mower or something. Oh, right, exactly. And you can bring that to Friedland and we'll pay you for the scrap value involved with it. Gotcha. Okay? Or, you know, or commercial accounts and automotive manufacturers with their overages, you know, for example, mm-hmm. um, uh, municipalities uh, like a board of water and light or, um, you know, waste haulers like Granger, you know, for example, yep. so anything that they can sift out of the landfill process that they're like, for example, like a, like a, a waste hauler like Granger, they're going to bring that scrap material, the, the metal and whatnot to a scrap processor. So for, gotcha. for recycling. Yep. Okay. So. so tell us a little bit about what that means, you know, for you and, and cause I, I until you said it, I really didn't even think that the political process was even oh, something that you had to think about. Yeah. I, I mean, I would even, and I think most yeah. people who, who know you or know of your, your company wouldn't even think that mm. you mm-hmm. had to even be involved in something like that. Well, because it does tend to be kind of a, a double standard in a way, because you, on the other end of that, you have the metal theft issues, which have totally plagued Michigan. Yeah. Especially in the um, Detroit, Flint especially areas. in the Detroit yep. Flint areas. Um, and so unfortunately in those situations, what you have for people who aren't familiar with it, it, it's the concept of someone going into someone's house and stealing the copper pipes, for example, right. and then taking them to a scrap dealer, right? Um, and there are probably scrap dealers that would take that. Exactly. Just the, the same way that there are, you know, there's bad eggs in every sure. industry, right? Okay, so there, there, there's definitely that in the scrap industry. Um, but, you know, like that, those types of people, the people who turn a blind eye to stolen goods or whatever, like they might knowingly buy something that's stolen, they represent a, a fraction, a small fraction of what the, the entire industry is. Um, and so, unfortunately, but like, I feel like the media has a way of making it look like, you know, you have, you have 1% of a, of a problem of people who do something like steal, and then on the other end, you have another, uh, like the, 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 
scrap dealers who knowingly buy scrap uh, that, that would be stolen and they make it look like everybody does Oh, well, that. that's the and media's so, MO. I mean, that's what they do for everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I guess, mainstream media anyway. Oh, so yeah, absolutely. As a result, then you have legislation that, that, that ends up hurting good people as opposed to stopping the bad people that gets invoked because it's Or popular. not even looking at a le- some right. sort of bill that would actually make more sense than trying right. to stop the 1%. Exactly. Not so that, that we shouldn't think about those issues, but yeah. Well, no, yeah, it's like that. That's, yeah, yeah. And I that's think that's classic. where industry has tried to really help you know, like look at, you know, how do we solve the, the metal theft issue when it was a bigger deal when commodity prices were higher? So like, how do we help solve the metal theft issue without harming the good actors who, have, who are out there and like harming the recycling effort that everybody wants to happen? Well, because right? then if the, if That's the, the, if the prices go down in, and you're right. getting legit copper and legit right, metal, right. that hurts you guys. Well, right. That's the, 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 exactly. Yeah. Like really the, what happens is you have the good actors who follow the laws right because we're the good actors right we do everything that you need to do all the headache and and all of the information that you have to take from people the mailing requirements the payment requirements and then on the other hand you have the the people who don't follow the laws well they're in the business of ignoring laws right they're going to ignore them no matter oh there's a law now we probably should stop (laughs) right exactly you know i mean so i mean you you definitely run into issues like that which can be frustrating yeah but yeah i mean that that's kind of why i think it's important to educate the public on you know some of the misinformation they might get on from either the media or politicians versus what recycling actually means and what you know like things like metal theft issues and how we can help and things like that and so that's part of i think your job you know unfortunately or fortunately is now you're really in this education business too pretty much yeah Yeah. where you really have to not only market your business and, and what services you provide but you really have to now educate the public on Right. why and how you do it and, and what it means. Right. Yeah. I think that's where Scraponomics came in. Too, yeah. Cause I like think it's, Scrap- I mean, it makes sense. I think it's perfect marketing. Oh, I mean, yeah. that's what we have to do. Yeah, it's just, thank it, you. it's time yeah. consuming. It, it is. It's, it's a lot of market. It is, it's a, 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 a it's marketing definitely. Sure. No, it is. It's yeah. a radio segment we do on 1320 AM radio, cool. but at the same time, it's, it's really meant to help educate people, Yeah. you know? And I think that's, I think it's helped a little bit. Good. So, yeah. But. So tell us about 10 years you know, we, we, I like to look 10 years down the road. It's a long time. And mm-hmm. I, I don't want to know strategic plans or anything like that because I don't believe mm-hmm. in that bullshit. But right. I should probably because I run a business. But No, but I hear you. Though. It's <laughs> a, like, I mean, what, Periscope was just invented like this year. <laughs> no, I mean, right. like, I've, I've had that same conversation <laughs> yeah, with somebody. Yeah, I mean, it's like, you know what's, what's going to happen a yeah. year from now? I know. I mean, who knows? Yeah. Especially in our business. I mean, right. we, we don't know. We're all over Twitter right now and Instagram. We love right. it. But who knows? I don't know. Yeah. So, though, for Friedland, though, what do you think? Like, where do you see that industry or, or your, your company specifically, Freeland Industries, being in 10 years? What would you like it? If you could fly through Freeland, what would you like it to look like? Freeland? Um, well, I guess, I guess it goes back to what I'd like to see is more manufacturing come back here in Michigan. I think that's probably another issue is that. There, there used to be a lot more manufacturing in Michigan. Right. Um, and, and, and Lansing and in specific. Lansing yeah. specifically. Right, right. And when it left, the scrap left with it. Sure. Right. And so any of the overages that the automotive manufacturers would make. And so the that tends to be the struggle. There is a, there, I think there's industry coming back here, but it tends to be more in the service industry, which is that, hey, that is what it is. Yeah. It's fine. There's, like, there's a lot of IC companies. There's... A lot of medical, uh, yeah, medical device, device companies, yeah. which is good. I mean, sure. like, you I mean, have a few good. accounts like that, but it's um, not that high level, couple thousand employee manufacturing companies right. that are it's really not what it used to be. Yeah, right. right. Um, and so, I think that would be something that would be beneficial, so because that would help the that would help Friedland indirectly, I guess. I know, think it helps it, everybody. It helps everybody, yeah. right? 
Um, There's a big push for that. I mean, you hear it every day for the last two years. I mean, we're even trying to market to manufacturers to help them get their message out more too. Right, exactly. Yeah, I I mean, we talk about that almost every day. But when I look, when I think about Friedland 10 years from now, what what I want to see is like our corner on Maple and Center Street is this area, and I think it's slowly becoming that with all the sculptures there, but I want to see this area where people can come with their kids, it's family friendly, and it's and they're there for an experience, whether they have scrap material or not. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like how Proust Pets is, and they're our next door neighbor, right? It's like yeah, people right. will go there on the weekends, whether they're buying pet stuff or not. Yeah, you know, but just because it's, it's an, an activity. experience to go, right? Yeah, yeah. It's an activity. But we typically um, don't want to go to a metal recycler. Right, exactly. Because like, what are you gonna? There's like forklifts everywhere, and and, and, <laughs> and it sounds and cool to me. Right, it's cool. Like it, people yeah. who come for tours love it, and sure. by the time they're done with the tour, they're they're they really have a whole new appreciation for what we do. But um, I'd love to see more of that, and like kids' activities, and you know, stuff that can that can go on on that. Do corner. you guys bring kids in school groups in? And uh, yeah, we we do from time to time. Mostly we do LCC tours uh-huh. for their environmental science classes. Oh, cool. um, because when you have younger kids, it, it is harder to corral them when you've got front end loaders and stuff moving around. So um, right. it's a little bit easier to contain college kids because one, I think they can. It's easier for them to compartmentalize the. The, the recycling, you know, like the, the difference between recycling and scrap processing or, or all that stuff. I, but, you know, I, I just think about, you know, the um, uh, impression five down there. And yeah, I just yeah, think exactly. that I could see you guys doing something like that right. there yeah. and being like, all right, kids, here's what it takes. And maybe, you know, run them through the recycling process. Yeah. I, mean, I know there's, <laughs> I don't know if you want a bunch of elementary kids around forklifts, but no, sure. Yeah. But no, you bring up a good point. Yeah. I've actually been talking with Eric Larson cool. quite Eric, a bit over there um, about, Impression five, because I think we, it'd be great if Friedland did something or helped sponsor an area where you know kids could make oh, prototypes of great. things and whatnot. Yeah, because that, that's probably one thing that people don't know. At least as my great as my grandfather mentioned it, that Ari Olds, yeah. when he was collecting, when he was making you know his first motors, he looked for parts in Friedland. Oh, really? Yeah, when he was trying to make his first motor. That's a really good story. Yeah, so there's a lot of history yeah. there, you know, and so when that, that's why we're, you know, when it comes to artists or people, sure. inventors who are building prototypes of things, we're, we usually help out in that regard. Yeah, and that whole scrap um, best kind of art. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I like that a yeah. lot. Which is, yeah, that's why we jumped on the opportunity to do scrap best yeah. as well. No, yeah, no, it's a perfect fit. Yeah. So, um, but Connect and Hall, I mean, like as far as 10 years, I don't know. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about Connect and Hall and I liked that idea when I saw it, you know, oh, and thanks. it's funny yeah. because when I saw the Connect and Hall and I've known you, you know, for, a, you know, a couple of years now, mm-hmm. I didn't make the connection between, oh, I'm like, oh, that's sure. Mike. Sure. Who's Mike? Mike Bass. Oh, wait, I know Mike. <laughs> when yeah. I, we met yeah. down at Zuby's. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah shit, Mike. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. I, I like that idea of Connect and Hall because um, I think everybody has stuff. I think a really good example of, of, you know, how we would use a service like that personally is that we're, we're moving from out in the country to a house in a neighborhood Okay, yeah. and we've got a barn and we've got stuff. Right. And right. so we didn't know really who to call. This right. was before I knew about Connected Hall and we just kind of Google searched and mm-hmm. kind of found somebody on Craigslist and it was probably okay. Right. But, right. Mm-hmm. So tell us about what is Connected Hall and how did that come? How did you come up with that? Just sure. one day like... Well, Connect and Hall is uh, a search engine, I guess you could say, mm-hmm. that I made that is based around helping people, either homeowners or business owners, who need material hauled away 
um, not it's different from a moving service, not moved like like a two men in a truck kind of thing, uh-huh. but uh, but hauled away. Say you have an old uh, washer and dryer that you need hauled out of your basement, or say somebody passes away, like a loved one, and you need to clean out their house or a whole estate of some kind. Well. A lot of the time, the way it came about is this. We get a lot of those phone calls. When something like that happens at Friedland, we get those phone calls, and I'm the one who usually handles those phone calls. Of When people have stuff like that and they can't bring it to us themselves, like they call us first because they don't know who else to call. And in those situations, you know, we've had over the years, we have like a list of people who, of haulers who do that for a living that we know are reputable. They've been proven reputable yep. based on the feedback we've gotten from them and their reviews and things like that. And um, we have generally given people a list of those names and phone numbers. And so this is me, Connect and Hall is me streamlining that process and scaling it so that it can be done not just within Lansing, but so when, when someone has something they need hauled away, they go on connectandhall.com, it's free for them to use, they post a job, and when they click, so they fill out this form that takes two minutes about what their situation is, do, you know, I need to clean out a whole estate or I need, I just, uh, I need these filing cabinets picked up from my basement, you know. Um, where their location is, and when they click post my job, that gets blasted out, emailed out to Whoever's reputable haulers who yep. are in their area who will then contact them with, directly with a quote. And then the haulers um, pay a monthly fee or an annual fee to be on An there. annual fee, right. Mm-hmm. So it, in a sense, it's kind of like an Angie's list yeah, makes sense. Um, but, or like a thumbtack, uh-huh. but specifically for removal services or hauling services. Um, the, the difference is that when I, I – the way I started, or before I started, to validate the demand for the idea to make sure it would work, um, I called the haulers that I did know, mm-hmm. and I said, well, you know, have you used an online service before for lead generation? And if you have, what was your experience like? And they had, and most of them. And they didn't really like their experiences with other companies because they were either charged per bid, whether they got the bid or not. Yeah, I don't like um, those ones, or, right? Right, or, they, uh, or the company wanted to take a, a percentage of each job, which is, it, it's okay. It's an okay model. It's just that it kind of lends itself to people trying to go around it, you know? And, and, and I'm guilty of that, too. Like, whenever I've used oh, Upwork, for example, exactly. it's like, or, or Elance, it's like, well, well what if maybe I just I'll contact with you directly. Yeah, what if I just worked yeah. with you directly? And you're not supposed to do that. But, right. It's right. like, well, I'd rather you get all the money as sure. opposed to pay this fee, you know? And it, it kind of lends itself to this weird environment, right, where, you know, you might want to go around it. Um, and so I said, well, okay, how about this? What if I just made a yearly fee and then got out of the way? Right, and so like I'm just up to them. If they get a lead, they can take it or yeah, not. Yeah, exactly. And then whoever's... you can quote people however you want, and you can take payment however you want, and then that's up to you. And I'm just you know charging an annual fee, and they were like, "Yeah, that'd be great." And yeah. so I said, "Awesome, okay." So uh, after hmm. talking to them later that evening, um, I said, "Okay, well, I, I want I need a financial commitment to and before I'm willing to build this website, but I can promise you that if that I will make this work, you know." And so, yeah, uh, three of them, they paid me to do it. And, and so that's how I validated that. That stems from a business course that I've taken or cool. am taking. But validating the demand for it first, you know, getting payment before even starting, and then, uh, then built the site from there. So um, you have three people on there now? Uh, four, almost five. Okay, cool. Yeah. And so, then that's kind of your spare time when you... I mean, if you could run yeah. that thing full-time, you would probably... That, yeah, that's what I need to work on is yeah. being able to do it... Um, full time you know <laughs> yeah. that's I mean I think we all suffer from sure. that like any with any side project but, yeah um, but yeah right now I've got three almost four haulers in the Lansing area um, and then another uh, hauler who signed on from Howell but he cool. he services all the way through like Fenton and, and that whole area like all the way that Easter Flint and whatnot and so 
it's so I'm trying to slowly cover Michigan. I mean, technically, someone from anywhere, could, you know, someone from LA could use it just as easily now as someone from Lansing. But I'm trying to just build it, you know, from the ground up, I guess. And as part of their fee, then you try to push out that website, exactly, because you know that's going to be part of it. People right. have got to know that. But now, when people call you um, at Freeland, do you say, "Well, you should go to this site"? Yeah, yeah. Like, now, what because it nice works for that, you guys here locally too, right? right? Locally, it works yeah. for Freeland in right. that way. It's kind of right. nice because then when people do call, I can say, "Well, here, use connect, go to in front of your computer, go to connectandhall.com, post a job." It'll do you, take you, do you two go, minutes. "Man, the guy that invented this is awesome"? Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, "Well, this is actually my side business." Oh, God, yeah. I, would, I wouldn't do that. I would tell them that the, the founder is brilliant, totally brilliant, uh, yeah, yeah really good looking, <laughs> six foot four, single, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> phone number, <laughs> yeah. 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 call me. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's what I would do. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's where it's at right now. Um, I, I'm hoping to grow it as quickly as possible. You know, I'm trying to get the name out there as quickly as possible. But um, there's definitely where I'm at right now is trying to build traffic to the site yep. and build up SEO and things like yeah, that. Yeah, I love that idea. I mean, mm. it, it makes a lot of sense. And I like that model, too, because I hate Thanks. the other way. Yeah, you know, and I, I think what I'd like to do, if it, maybe this is a 10-year thing. Sure. But, uh, I I have a feeling it's not just haulers who feel that way. I think there's a lot of contractors I, who feel that way. I agree. And so while I'm building this out because it's kind of a good, it's starting with a niche, you know, a niche market and building it from there, I do feel like other contractors would benefit from it too. Sure. So once I do get the ball rolling, it would be cool to expand to other. Because you already um, have the system in place. Right, exactly. Yeah. You know, um, so, but we'll see. Yeah. You know, right now I'm just focusing on r- removal services, you know. Yeah. Well, that's, I think as, as entrepreneurs and people that have, are creative, like you and I, mm-hmm. I think we have to watch it because we end up, you know, seeing Carton a squirrel. The horse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So I, I'm very guilty. And that's one of the things that at Michigan Creative, what I've decided, because I have all these ideas for things, is I've really got to focus for 2016 and focus on a company oh, that sure. I already have. Yeah. That's doing okay. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. So that's a, that's a big issue for me. And I think for a lot of entrepreneurs and, and small business owners, too, I think, is is really focusing on, because as you said at the beginning of the show, you know, you're wearing multiple hats. You're getting pulled in 20 different directions on any given day. And then sure. you, end of the day, you're like, oh, my God, I was so busy. I didn't get shit done. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that last time we talked, were you talking about that with Michigan Creative, yep. where you focus on a ton of things. But right now, this you're trying to focus on video in particular. Yeah. 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 We're trying to focus on video. And I think we're really trying to focus on the four things we do well. And, right. and, and the biggest thing for me as CEO is I have to build this brand up so that and the reason why we started this podcast was to talk to people about how do you do that and how do you keep the machine right? How do you eventually get the the machine of your company running on its own, right? In a sense, so that when you're not there, you know it, it's going to be able to sell products, it's going to be able to run, and a lot of those tools that we're putting in place are, are technical tools, uh, technology, but also people, right? Oh yeah, and so no that's doubt. some things. So along your path on entrepreneurship and also your musician and, and and you're running you know this this company over at Friedland or you're a big part of the Friedland. We want to talk about some mistakes that we've made along the way. Mm -hmm. What are some things that are some mistakes in any industry that you've been in or any Mm -hmm. any startup that you've been a part of or business that you felt that you made or what was a big mistake that you made and what did you learn from that? Sure. Um, I think, okay, so prior to Connect and Hall, so I guess this could be independent of Connect and Hall or Friedland or anything. I think in general, um, Build, taking, spending the time and money in building something like a website because you have this idea that you just know with quotes that, you know, that people want, right? Before you actually know whether they want it or not. So you spend all this time and money building something 
And then when you hit this release, all of a sudden you find out that there's there isn't really a demand for it, or like people aren't knocking down your door to to uh, to buy it, yeah. right? And and it's upsetting, right? Like say you you know you take all this time for writing a book or whatever, you know, and then that's a lot of your time, right? And so you I haven't written a book or anything yet, but you know, but I've, I'm a musician. I've made albums, right? Yeah. Or I've, um, I've I've built websites and spent money doing that, and because of an idea I might have had, sure, yeah. Um, only to release it and then try to get friends to promote it and things like that. And then you're just pissing people off, right? Because <laughs> you're sending <laughs> right? I know. Or like trying to get them to buy it because yeah. you're like, man, I know this is going to work, but then you like, no one's supporting people. it. Yeah. Um, I think one of the biggest changes that I've uh, gone through with business, and I have to give a lot of credit to a guy named Noah Kagan for this. Um, he, he, so he, he's the CEO of AppSumo. I don't know if you've heard of them. I have. Sumo Me. A yeah. lot of websites use them yep. to, for, to, for deals. Yeah, we were to get, talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think we did talk about it last yeah. time we um, spoke, but he also ha- runs a business course. Uh, I think it's called Monthly 1K or something like that. Um, but I'll, I'll send you the link to it. So yeah, yeah. In the show notes. But we'll put it in the show notes. Yeah. That has probably been the most transformational business course I've ever taken because what he stresses is not just failing often and, and failing, you know, and, and failing better, but putting, you know, not spending the time and money into things and, and, and creating something before you know whether people want it or not. So he stresses validating your demand before even building that website or that product mm-hmm. or whatever. So, and so the question is, how do you do that? Well, uh, in, in Connected Hall's case, you know, I asked the, the haulers what, you know, what their experiences were like. Um, if if I were to build this, is that something that would be helpful or beneficial to them? You know, if I did it in this particular way, and then I actually asked for a commitment, a financial commitment, right? And it wasn't like the the rule, I guess that you could say is that if you can get three sales in forty eight hours, that means you actually have a legitimate demand. Hmm. And if you don't, that's fantastic news because if you don't, that means drop it and then move on to the next idea. Right, but with the good thing about that is that then you didn't spend all that time and money yeah. building something that no one wants. Yeah. Right. So I think that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing that I've learned is is validating the demand for something before building it. If that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think we've done that. We've done that a lot, and I, I'm guilty of that too because I just assume that everybody needs this. Right. And I think we we did a better job with video, and and we still have to be careful because we just assume that everybody needs video because we right. believe it. Right. And right. most people that we talk to do too, but I think we have an education process to go through, and we have to really ask our clients and our customers, if you needed video, what would you want it to look like, and how much would you be willing to pay for it before right. we even put this package together that we think makes sense? Sure, like doing some of that market research. Yeah, and know, I read to, a book very yeah. similar to what I think you're talking about by Ryan Levesque called Ask. And, oh, yeah, yeah. I haven't read the book, but I heard it's, it's the same process. Yeah. Is, is before mm-hmm. you do anything, you ask exactly. what they like and what they don't like. And if they, you know, no matter how great your idea is, if you're not finding people that are going to purchase it, don't do it. Oh, yeah. And, and even. The thing is, with the level of technology we have today, there are so many ways of going about things that you can, you don't have to build that website right away. You can do things for free, right? So, sure. like for Connect and Hall, the way I started it was just through Gmail. I mean, like, I, I just sent, you know, I had a, a buddy of mine, the first guy who used it. Yeah, because a lot of people are like, it. well, once we get the site up, then we can really test it. Right, exactly. That's, that's not a, true at all. Okay. You can do things that are free. I mean, you can make groups, you know, you can send out mass emails just by using Google Groups. Right. I mean, there's things that you can do. That might seem a little unprofessional on the on the front end, but 
at the same time, you're really validating whether you've got a demand there. So like, you know, with Connect and Hall, I, the first guy I used it, I just sent him an email with questions. He replied back to me answering those questions and then right. I forwarded that to the haulers. Easy as, as that. Yeah. I mean, and, and that was, that's, uh, Gmail's free. Right? Yeah. I mean, so once I got that running, then it was like, okay, now it's time. Then I, I know I can go ahead and build this website because he had a positive experience. The haulers had a positive experience with it, you know. And I think part of that too, and what you did, I think, the smart way is you started with a very specific audience or very specific audience. And mm-hmm. so you really hyper-focused on who it's for. It's for people that haul away from other people's houses and right. in specific cases, it's not, you know, and construction guys and window guys. Right. And right. This, exactly. And it's like specific for haulers. It's like it could, maybe it'll evolve into that, sure, but, but at not, least like I'm not trying to do all of it all at once. Right. Cause you know, you know now what your persona is for your customer your haulers and you can you know duplicate that when you start to reach out to other markets right right, right. i think as far as other mistakes go i mean i've certainly <laughs> we made don't have we don't have very long to <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah i mean there's there's a ton of that i've made yeah, probably, yeah. Uh, probably the the funniest one so far would be like you know like when i was first releasing the concept for this and like released a video on it and, and just me with my webcam yeah, here, yeah like posting that to facebook my friends thought it was awesome and it went really well about what the service was about. Posting that to my neighborhood association, bad move. Oh, really? <laughs> totally bad move. Because like, because <laughs> they like assumed that I was swindling or something oh, like that. Because no. I'm trying to sell something, yeah, you know. That's... And it's like, man, like I'm I'm in your neighborhood. Were they and, pissed? Yeah, they were totally pissed. And like, and I t- <laughs> those neighborhood associations or something, you gotta watch it. <laughs> totally I think I know which rec, one it you know, is. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Or it's like you know, there's a deal with you know the public. But I'm like, dude, I'm not scamming people here. This and is a really like, good idea. It's a really good idea. You know, and I'm all all psyched and geeked about it. And like the, but I think it's important to take that and laugh at it like you can't be like oh and that was like the first time i released that video <laughs> and so you can't take like a failure like that and, and get all depressed about it you just have to kind of laugh it off and be like all right whatever you know so now i know not to post to neighborhood association sites you know yeah yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah that's a good lesson yeah, yeah. and i know I, I like what you say there about not, not get depressed because that happens because yeah. when, when you have something that's a really good idea and you think it's going to go really well and yeah. it doesn't it's hurts it man. does it totally hurts oh yeah. it hurts You're like man i thought this was going to be brilliant <laughs> oh, i know i, I do that all the time I, i'm really good at failure now so yeah I'm, I'm really good at it yeah exactly so like i what do you have to work on personally what do you think your biggest fault is i mean you're wearing lots of hats and you're a creative guy um and that's i think that's a that's an issue for creative people i, I or i think it's it's a hard thing to deal with because you've got a thousand ideas coming so what, what do you think you have to work on and how do you work on it um I think the biggest thing that I need to work on is saying no. Yeah. Um, it, it's weird. It's such a fine line between, I, I think as our careers evolve, I'm, I'm sure, I don't want to speak for you, but I, I imagine you probably feel this way too. As our careers evolve, you go through this period of where you want to say yes to everything, right? And it's good to say yes to everything because... And when you're, you're starting, ha- you almost yeah, have to. Yeah, I exactly. And, and it's, um, yeah, you almost have to, you know, because you're kind of throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. And there, a lot of people would say, well, no, you want to focus on one thing at a time. You know, that, that is true. But at the same time, even in a business sense, I feel like there is a certain point where you do have to do a bunch of things and see which one actually gains the most traction. And then, then drop the others, you know, and then pursue that one thing. Um, but I think, um, you know, Derek Sivers, the guy who created CD Baby, he has this whole philosophy of hell yes or no. I think he even wrote a book about it called Hell Yes or No. And that's, I haven't read it yet, but that, that's what I'm trying to focus on right now is that if it's not a hell yes, it has to be a no. Um, 
I like that. I haven't and, heard that. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's, uh, and you know it when you when you hear about it. When someone asks you to do something, that you pretty the default much should be know no. right away. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. The default should be no, unless it's something that you're like, hell yeah, I want to be part of that. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, that's what I want to focus on, and yeah. that's what I could do better. And that was hard for us, and I think we're better now. But I remember the first time that, and this was largely due to Melissa, the first time I had to say no to a client, mm. potential client, and and then send them to somebody else. Man, and. Because we, you know, with websites, we got to the point where we just felt that we just can't do them for that price. We just can't because it, it takes too much time. Mm-hmm. And that was hard because it was money to me. Mm-hmm. In my eyes, it was money. And I, I sure. know my staff and I know we could do it. But Melissa finally convinced me that it's just, it, we can't. We're going to lose money on this. And it didn't seem like it because money was still coming. There was a check. Right. You know? Right, right. So, but when we did, it was it was the scariest thing that I think for me as a business owner. But also it made total sense and it was a relief immediately after I did it. If you felt relieved. Oh, yeah, work. because what happened with that client in particular is we sent him to somebody that I trusted, single man company, mm-hmm. loved him, loved that we gave them that advice to somebody that's trusted, great partnership they have over there. They're going to come back to us right. when they're bigger. Exactly. You and, know, and I mean, and word of mouth too with that they're going to tell their friends yeah try michigan creative yeah he couldn't help um, me but he gave me this one guy you guys yeah, are probably and, a better exactly fit for yeah. and and that's that's oh, i think that's great it was yeah, great it was yeah. it was hard to do and i still am not perfect at it yeah because i just want to help people right right i mean <laughs> you know? yeah exactly you're like, like well you know what's your budget like, yeah you know? we could do like, for that yeah, yeah. exactly Ugh. you know if i could I get people tough, to answer that question what's your budget yeah. I would be so happy. <laughs> no one answers that question. They're always yeah. like, well, let's just have you put it together. Yeah. And we'll see you. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. It never works that no, way. No, it doesn't. And then my, uh, my dad always said, well, I think it was my grandfather who told him to, but especially with scrap, it's like, I can't be the buyer and the seller here. Right? Yeah. <laughs> one of us has yeah. to go first. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm getting better. Um, it's always a learning curve. It's a hard, you know, running a small business, almost everybody that comes in here, right. I think saying no has been a big answer for them. And then, sure. and what the other thing too, they, they say is running a, a small business or a large business is one of the hardest things you'll ever do. Sure. And it is. Oh yeah. I mean, I, yeah, no doubt. I think it, running so a music stress. business, I think is probably yeah. stressful running connect and hall and even oh, at yeah. Friedland. You know? Yeah. Yeah. All of it, you know, so you're just one big stress ball. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> you don't and seem like it. That, thanks. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm taking it in strides and I do think, um, I, I guess another thing I'd like to work on is working remotely more. Yeah. I think that it's that's difficult in a family business where it's, you know, traditionally it's like, well, no, you have to be here, you know. Yeah. Whereas, like, for me, with especially with Connect and Hall and, like, my background is tech, even though I'm, I'm working my family's uh, business. And you're doing some of that there. Yeah, and I'm doing a lot of yeah. that there. And, and But with Connect and Hall, it's like, no, I envision myself working from my laptop, you know, yeah. on somewhere. The and, coffee and, and shop. Exactly. On my couch. You know, so I think that's what I'd like to go toward. That That's what makes me less stressed, yeah. you know. So um, let's talk about that a little bit, too. And and I don't like the, the term work-life balance as much mm-hmm. because I think if, like you just said, if you could work Connect and Hall uh, on your laptop, on your couch, you'd be very happy, but you'd be sure. working. Sure, right. So I think there is still... There's got to be time when, especially in our connected world, where we have to shut down at some point somehow, mm-hmm. and we have to stay healthy somehow. We have to do something, otherwise the machine, us, are, are going to break down. How do you do that? 
Sure. Have you don't you didn't know yet? Sure. Um, I drink. No, <laughs> yeah, that's, a, that's a good answer. <laughs> I wish no. it helps for a couple hours. Right. Right. Yeah. No. 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 I mean, I I, I really enjoy reading. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy writing. Um, I I'm an avid film buff. Uh, can you put those together? Avid film buff. I guess it's kind of I'm a film buff or I'm an avid film watcher. One of the <laughs> yeah, one you're of the, a, yeah yeah yeah. Um, but uh, th- those things, uh, I'm a musician, so I, I I enjoy playing the guitar. I think that relaxes me a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anything that kind of can let me escape. Watching movies, like I said, you know, can help me escape for a few hours. Uh, I do love wine, so I, yeah. and, I, and and not just drinking wine, but I do love learning about wine. So yeah, I mean that is something cool for me. What's great? Have you heard of Sandhill Crane Winery? Yeah, I have. Yeah, yeah in it's Jackson, a, it's like thirty minutes from here. Yeah, yeah, I'm from and, Jackson. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. cool. Yeah, so yeah. you're right there. Yeah, yeah. It, it, that place is awesome. It is cool. And, yeah, and it's thirty minutes away. Yeah. Um, and you know, you can have a glass of wine, read. They've got music there. It's good. They got great food there. Cool. Yeah. It's like, you know, I, I like going to places like that. I like going to coffee shops. Have you, you been know? to Bergdorf? I have been to Bergdorf. Yeah, that's a cool place. Yeah, too. that is a great place. It's right down the street. Yeah, Melissa does their down. social media on the side. Oh, seriously? Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. She used to work there part time. Yeah, I hope they're in a position at some point to uh, to put more tables in. I, I know think that they, they are. were kind of battling the, the township or whatever yes, to get like the license to do it. I think um, they it's are. Such I a think cool that's company. Part. I hope yeah. they the great get the people too. To yeah, they're really great people. Um, but yeah, I love going over there too. You know, um, th- things like that. Let me, if you don't mind me looking. Oh, did I just? Turn that off. No, no, still, we're still live. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we're good. Hold on. Yeah, that's a podcast foul right there. Um, I can't remember. I just wanted to make sure. Oh, yeah, that's what I was. I knew there was something I was missing. There was a couple of things I was missing. Traveling alone. Right? Really? So I love to travel, but I particularly love to travel alone. Probably why I'm not great at being in relationships. <laughs> but <laughs> okay, I'm not good. It's really cool island, but you can't come. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, no, you don't get it. I'm turning my phone off. Bye. Yeah. No, Um, I, yeah, I agree there. I always learn something new about myself every time I travel alone and I like it traveling. I don't like going somewhere for a weekend. I mean that, that can be refreshing too, but I do like going somewhere for an extended period of time. I think it takes a month of being somewhere, renting an apartment and just getting absorbed into whatever hobby you can in, in whatever city it is to really come back and be refreshed and be able to work harder on what it was that you were doing. Well, I think that time allows you to not to be a visitor or um, a tourist. Yeah, exactly. You it know, you allows you to be part path. of the culture. Yeah, and, exactly. Yep. I yeah. found that when I visited uh, and I've been back several times to Mexico City and I love Mexico City. It's you know, it's not ah. it's not a tourist town, it's not uh, the right. beach town, but I right. just I spent about a month there and I've gone back several times now and I just feel like that second city for me, you know. Really? I feel, yeah, and I just love the people, and I love the culture, and I love the food. And That's awesome, I've never been there. Yeah, you would really dig it. It's and you a would really never cool, think that. I no, guess, you wouldn't, because everybody thinks, oh, it's big, it's dangerous, it's whatever. Right, right. Very cool. I mean, you, you do have to travel with somebody that knows where they're going sure. and, and the people, and, and that's probably a good idea. Um, but no one would want to kidnap me. I mean, they wouldn't. I mean, they wouldn't get anything. I mean, I'm like, go ahead. I, mean, I got five bucks. I need man. some excitement. Yeah, do it. No one. You can call my family. Call my yeah, friends. Exactly. They're not going to give me anything. I've got like this rewards card for Starbucks. Yeah. Is that where you want my quality dairy card? It's got a lot of points. Right. On it. Yeah. A Grand Trapper's pie card. Yeah, and I always tell yeah. people too is I'm not overweight or or husky. I'm just hard to kidnap. Yeah. <laughs> so I like that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, um, I like that idea. I've heard that a yeah. lot, and I think there's value in traveling and and by yourself and and really being 
I mean, it really lets you learn more about yourself too, I think. Oh yeah, no doubt. Yeah. You, you definitely do. And in ways that when, when you're traveling with someone, you always have to inevitably compromise in some way as sure. to where you want to go. And I just, uh, maybe there'll be a time and place for that. There is a time and place for that for me, I guess. Well, but you're going to have to travel with your significant other at some point. At some point, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fine. Yeah, yeah. My but, wife uh, wouldn't let me go anywhere by myself because yeah. she'd be afraid I wouldn't come back. <laughs> right, right, yeah. <laughs> That's why I just went to Austin um, visiting friends from cool. college there and just got back. My, my parents were surprised that I came back. Really? They were like, I yeah, bet. You know, um, we thought we had a, we had a feeling you were just going to call and be like, yeah, I'm not coming back. <laughs> um, it's pretty cool there. But um, I guess lastly would be my dog, um, yeah. Charlie. I like playing with He He's definitely a stress reliever. Every, you know, sure, everybody should have away. a dog. Oh, yeah, definitely. I yeah, mean, we have one we in the office right together. now. So. Yeah, cool. Oliver. Yeah. Right, great dog. So talk real briefly about employees, and I know you don't have any for Connect and Hall right, right now, too, yeah. or in the music business or the podcast, mm-hmm. but at Freeland, you do. There's lots. And, and right. what have you learned about how do you make sure, number one, you get the right ones? And I think there's a good process for that. But more importantly, I want to talk about how do you keep the ones that you really like, and how mm-hmm. do you make sure that, that they're happy and they're doing what they want to do at your place and, mm-hmm. and what they want to do and yeah. what you want them to do? Sure. Um, it's a constant struggle, man. Like, uh-huh. and I think in some ways it's kind of a crapshoot until you get to really know the person. Right. Um, we, uh, we, we usually go through a temp agency, West Staff, um, for hiring people, and it, and it's we don't do it unless we can hire eventually. So it is it's meant to be temp to hire. Okay. Um, the so you're not just is, getting people to fill a spot. You really are looking for, hey, we need. This. Yeah, we don't usually don't do it unless we know that we need somebody. Um, I gotcha. But it, it's, and but still, the 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 temp agency does help in the sense that you have, I think it's like 720 hours that they want you to, that they want that employee, the temp to to be there before you're even supposed to hire them on. I got gotcha. you. Um, so they make their right, so they can make yeah, their make cut their as well. Whatever, yeah. e- exactly. Um, and that, what that does do is that gives you a good uh, amount of time to feel that person out and really see what they're like and see if if they're just a good fit for the industry or not. I mean, like it's it's a very particular industry. It's a very difficult industry to be in. Um, unfortunately, again, like with Friedland, that it's it's so one of my qualms about it, I guess, is that it's so commodity driven that when commodities crater like they have in the last year, February, right. it's continued to go down since then because of just the way the world economy works. And you got to let people go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like, we're busier than hell and yet have to let people go. I mean, we recently had to, a few months ago, we had to lay off, like, five people. That's, like, 15% of our staff, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and so, like, you, it really sucks, you know? And, and these are good people, right? And then all of a sudden um, you get busy and you're like, crap, we need... Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so. Yeah, that'd yeah, man, be it, tough, man. It, it really, yeah, it really does get tough. Yeah. Um, one thing that I'm trying to focus on that I think we could do better, a, a better job of, and that I, I want us to do in the future, um, is have you ever read De- Delivering Happiness by Tony Shea? No, I haven't read it. Is it spelled by? It's like H S I E. He's the CEO of Zappos. Yep, 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 yep. That's right. Yeah. So he came out with this book called Delivering Happiness. That's a great book. Yeah. Um, and he focuses on on how companies that focus on culture and making their employees happy, everything if you do that, everything else falls into place. And so when they're hiring people, they look at two things. One, they look at whether the person can do the job, you know, and then like if they're, how good they are at the job. 
the second thing, that the second test, I guess, they have is whether they get along with everybody else in the office. You know, because you could have someone who's brilliant at what they do, um, and yet if they don't get along with someone in the, with everybody else in the office, then they don't make the there cut. There goes the culture. Yeah. Yeah, because it shouldn't just be about that. You know, how much, how many sales can they get us, or how many, how you know, how good of a job can they do at their job? They need to be able to get along with people. Otherwise, there's just no place for it. I think I'd like to do those kinds of things um, or focus on that in the future anyway. No, I think, well, I don't totally agree with this, but a lot of people would, would say, well, we're not Zappos. Right, right. You know, we're not Google. Right. But yeah, can, yeah. Can, you, can you do that? And, and in your industry, right. when, when you're, you know, you're not necessarily hiring administrative level, level positions all the time. Right. right. Can, can you do pieces of that there, uh, on that size? You know, I think I think there are things that you could do when it comes to hiring. You know, I, I don't know necessarily yeah. that you can do that as much on that end. I think when it comes to culture, there's certainly things that that smaller businesses could do. Sure. Um, one thing that I'm trying to do yet I haven't been able to fully uh, get it going yet is um, make a library, a small library, just in my office that anyone can use. So like anyone can come and check out a book. You know, there, there's plenty yeah. of avid readers that are throughout Friedland, right? Yeah. Um, and what's crazy is we we are a lot of our customers are printing companies and book manufacturers, so oh, we'll really? get over just oh, yeah, from books yeah. all the time. That so we sense. get a lot of books, nice. you know, wow, and so we get a lot of avid readers and stuff. So yeah. um, who are employees, and so what I'd love to do is create small things like that 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 help the employees understand that things that are not work related that you know I want them to to do. So like say they they read five books, you know, a year or whatever, give them tickets to a movie or something. Like yeah, that. I like or that like, too. Yeah. And I think in this culture too, of things that you can do that we need to read more. Oh yeah. Totally. And that's what I used yeah. to do when I was a high school teacher. I had a library there. I'm like, yeah, you should check out this book. And right. You should check yeah. out this book. Cause like I, your own personal library that. We, okay, yeah. Said, and yeah. one of the things that, you know, we would always, I would always ask questions at the beginning of the semester and introduce the students to me and all that stuff. And I would ask them what their favorite film was. Cause I taught a video class. No problem. Favorite mm. TV show. No problem. Favorite, favorite book. book. No. Nope. Oh uh, yeah, I don't. Have yeah, one. yeah, and that's pretty common. Yeah, yeah, and I'm guilty of that too. Like I didn't start reading regularly again until after college because I just yeah. got so. You know, I love to read, and that's something that out I, I just want to do more and text. more and yeah. more of it. But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. all these yeah. business books, though, man. I mean, there's yeah, there's a list of ones that oh, I yeah. could read. So yeah. what is a business book? Give us. I know you gave us a couple here, but what's another sure. one? Sure. Uh, yeah, the, uh, well, you're right. Delivering Happiness yep. is a great book. Um, of course, I've heard a number of your other uh, guests on your podcast mention the E Myth Revisited. Yep. That's a great book too. Um, I'm a huge Tim Ferriss fan. Yeah, I, I love. I mean, the Four Hour Work Week. Yep. The, the problem with that book yep. is that the title sounds like it's a scam. I, that's what everybody <laughs> he, says, and he knows that. And he knows that. The and his is podcast like, is the same thing. Yeah, like the, uh, it's like the Tim Ferriss show or whatever. But like he even mentions in his podcast, he's like, "Yeah, no, I, I only went with that title because it did the best on Google AdWords." Yeah, <laughs> I actually worked the more than four right, hours. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's I know. It's not about working four hours a week. It's You're about exactly changing right. your mindset yep. um, and realizing that you don't have to. You know, just because the world has agreed to shuffle papers from eight to five, yep. doesn't mean that you have to live that way. And I, and what I like is that I see things moving toward that. I mean, you and I have talked about millennials before, and I just they like they get that. Yes, they do get that, and they're much better. Yeah, at I, that. I just wrote a blog post about that too. Yeah. Um, about how I love that, or like what I'd rather see is like a mixture of mindsets, right? Like taking the good things that my dad has taught me as a baby boomer and. And for me, I don't know what I am, either Gen Y or, or Millennial or partly both, You're I guess, mix, but like yeah. in the mix. But um, but 
taking the, the, the mindset of millennials and saying, no, you know, it's, it's about working smarter. It's not about working yeah. harder um, and working on something that's meaningful. And get, well, that's the, you're exactly right. And, and the millennials want to, it's not that they're lazy or they don't want to work. It's just, right. they want to work. They want to know that what their work is doing is, 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 is positive for the greater good. Right. Exactly. You of know? the company. Yeah. I mean, I believe there's quite a few surveys done. I mean, it's a survey, so it's hard to tell if it, what the, what the actual numbers would be if yeah. you push him to shove. But, um, but that many of them report that they'd be willing to take a pay cut. Sure. You know, if it if meant they that, that they had a better culture, yeah. a better purpose in life, if they felt like it was more meaningful work, which, I mean, that makes sense. And I, I have to say I would be too, because if it, my biggest thing is time freedom. What I want is the time freedom. That's the only currency that we have that never comes back, right? Yeah. You spend it every day and it never comes back. That's right, and so yeah. that's, I, you know, that's what I want to create. And I, I want to be able to create that for, for people at Friedland too. Like when, when I envision Friedland in the future, I envision, you know, not just like crane operators and forklift operators, but I envision those very guys coming into a mission control room with a cup of coffee and operating those remotely. Yeah. Or yeah. doing it from home. That's cool. You know, yeah. So on their own time. Totally possible. As long as they get their work done, then great. Yeah. I mean, like it'd be great to be the first scrap processor that runs robots that are run by, or drones, I guess, that are run by people who are working remotely. That's badass. You know, so that, you know, things like that. Yeah. Um, Oh yeah, yeah. yeah, but but yeah. So four hour work week, I'm a huge fan of that. Yep. Um, and I guess the, I, it's not really books, but you know, courses like would be like Noah Kagan's mm-hmm. uh, monthly one K course has been transformational for me. Um, oh, another book, The Boron Letters. So copywriting, it, it, not like intellectual property, mm-hmm. property copywriting, but like the writing copy. So The Boron Letters is great. It's written by a guy named Gary Halbert. He, I guess he was known as like the godfather of writing marketing copy. Oh, you know? okay. All right. And so he made millions of dollars, lost millions of dollars, went to prison. And so like these are, these are the 20, like 25 letters that he wrote his youngest son from prison really? <laughs> about how to write million-dollar marketing campaigns. Wow. And it's, it's solid gold, dude. It's, it's right. great. It's totally helped my copy and blogging. Really? Yeah. And like... Writing in a way that keeps people's attention and keeps them excited and makes them want to cool. keep reading. I'll check it out. Um, that and along with that, I guess would be uh, Neville Medora's copywriting course. Okay. I mean, he's got a great one too. That's free. So yeah, that's so important too, dude. Because yeah. you can spend money on ads and you can spend you know on blog posts and things like that to get them out there. But right. to get somebody to click is a whole different story. Yeah, totally. Yeah, like everything from headlines sure. to what the actual what should be in the copy. Cool. Um, I love that kind of stuff. Yeah, I haven't heard that. Yeah. I'll have to check that one out. That's yeah. exactly what we need right now. Yeah. Give us a quote, man. I like quotes. Yeah, I mean, I have a ton of those too. Um, but I'll, I'll just I'll, I'll give you one that I read recently that really struck a chord with me. Um, so by uh, by George Bernard Shaw, it's some men see things as they are and say why. I dream of things that never were and say why not. I like that George Bernard Shaw. Well, and I think that kind of goes back to your drones. I mean, yeah, exactly. It's like, why not? I mean, if that happens, I mean, that's cool. That's that's the way it's going. Yeah, exactly. That would be great to see it go that way. Yeah, that's cool. I like that quote a lot. Thanks. Yeah, I mean, I, I like that one too. There's a plenty of others, but that's sure. the only one I can think of right now. So, if you could meet and have dinner with anybody, business owner, who would it be? Besides me, I mean, <laughs> we can have dinner anytime. <laughs> right. We can have dinner anytime, right? I don't have anything yeah. cool to say, but. Um, <laughs> You're a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I guess right now at this point in my life, I, I'd have to go back to Tim Ferriss, man. I mean, like, the, I think he, I, I just like the way he thinks. I mean, I, I like the way, it's, oh, there's two people, okay? So there's Tim Ferriss, and it's really not about, it's more like I've had those feelings for a long time, and I think he, 
after reading his material and listening to his podcast, it, it's just he's validating a lot of things that I've felt and shown examples of where of a lot of people that have made that work for themselves. Got it. And so I think that's why it'd be great to pick his brain. Um, uh, yeah, that would be like, a good dinner. Yeah, that would be a really good yeah, dinner. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, also Eckhart Tolle. This is not not a business, but more like a. I guess have you ever read The Power of Now? Uh-uh. I love that book. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was always that that book uh, helped me out in a really tough time. It's more, I guess you could say, it's a little heady, it's a little spiritual, but sure. uh, but uh, Eckhart Tolle, he, he's more, he's one of those like spiritual guru kind of guys yeah. that you know, I, I, it'd be great to have a dinner with that guy. So <laughs> Eckhart and Tim, man, yeah. I know you're listening to this podcast. So they <laughs> yeah. love this podcast. They totally do. Yeah, they're gonna See, call you. Yeah, yeah. call Steve Mike. Comment on, on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, right. on the twitters. On the twits. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, Mike, what? Uh, give me some technology or some software or app that you like that you use. You can't live without something. We should look at. Yeah, when I saw that question on there, I, I was like, I mean, I don't know how literal we want to take it. Doesn't so, matter. first, I was thinking indoor plumbing is a, the advanced. <laughs> that is good. I, is good. I do like that. Water heater, uh, furnace, things like that. Yeah, you know, I definitely need those. Yeah, um, water heater, furnace. Yep, we just did a video on one. Pencil. Of oh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> pencil and notebook. Yeah, um, and and I mean that one sincerely. In that, you know. I think typing is great because that actually keeps up with my brain, you know, uh, when when I'm thinking about stuff and blogging and whatnot. But there's something about writing in a notebook that yep. really helps me. It's a stress reliever in ways that maybe typing isn't. Yeah, and that whole um, typing feels like work. Yeah, writing in a notebook feels real and jur- almost journal-like. Yeah, yeah. Like there's so many times where after I've finished, I've that. Huh. huh yeah. You know, kind of feeling. And yeah, I yeah. think That's a good thing. Yeah, we do a lot of stuff on paper here. Oh yeah. Um, of course, you know, laptop, Google, Gmail. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm like Photoshop and Illustrator. I use those things all the time. Yep. Uh, WordPress, um, like website development, things cool. like that. Cool. Um, Evernote. I really yeah, Evernote. Evernote's a popular one. I'm trying yeah. to play with that a little bit. Yeah, I really do. I'm not Evernote. an app guy, man, but I, 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 you know, I've been using Evernote just because one of the things I like about Evernote is when I'm driving, and that's for whatever reason, that's when I get ideas. And I don't think I don't want it. Shouldn't probably write them down when I'm right. driving. So I just grab Evernote and talk into it. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, that's yeah. I, I love Evernote, and I think um, it's it's only it's just beginning too. I think it's it's gonna uh, make a lot of strides too. And there's only like already 150 million users. Yeah, yeah. Crazy doing all right. Like yeah. But yeah, it's awesome. I love the scanning technology that it uses too. Yep. Like you can scan documents. Just it's helped it. me declutter a lot cool. of stuff. I'm yeah. gonna get into it more. Yeah. So where should we eat or drink in Lansing, or where can we? Where should we go that maybe we haven't been? What's your favorite place to eat? That's funny because I put Zuby's, but we've already been to Zuby's. Yeah, man. Today. Yeah. yeah. Zuby's um, is a good place, though. Yeah. Plus, it's right listening. down the road. He wants to come to Lansing. Zuby's is great. We should um, get Zuby's on. Once I get enough listeners, man, yeah. I'm going to call them and say, look, dude, everybody talks about going to Zuby's yeah. on here. You should give us some sponsorship money. Dude, that's great. I love it. <laughs> yeah. You hear that, Sam? Yeah, Aaron? Sam. I know you're listening. <laughs> um, the Creel, right? Which yeah. is another one of they, theirs. That's one of theirs, too. They, yeah. They, there's more money, guys. Come on. Yeah, we should go to the Creel. Um, with in regards to East Lansing, yeah. probably Beggars Banquet. Yeah, you got to go there. Yeah, like I prefer places that have wood panels. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Like, I like Beggars. Yeah, and it, I, I enjoy when there's people and everything like that. It's just that when I don't like places that get too loud. I mean, I like Hopcat, but in East Lansing, but it, it's it's all concrete and it's all, and like even the chairs are aluminum. It's so loud. it's like, man, it just gets really echoey. Yeah. My ears are ringing by the time I get out. Um, but yeah, I would. This isn't in Lansing, but my favorite restaurant of all time is in Boyne City, up north. Mm. It's called Sante. Mm. Just want to give them a shout. Yeah, out. yeah. I'll yeah. call them. If you're up there sponsor. and I'm up there, we'll go out there. All right, it's good. awesome. 
So, man, as we're wrapping up here, how can we best get in touch with you? Somebody's like, man, I want to talk to this guy about Connecton Hall. I want to talk about recycling. I just, ladies. Sure. Oh, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no doubt. Um, there's a lot of things, I guess. So um, let's start with Connecton Hall. It's connectandhall.com. Okay. So that's H-A-U-L, right? So connectandhall.com. Um, it's on, you know, Connecton Hall on Facebook yep. and Twitter handles at Connecton Hall, Instagram, Connecton Hall. Perfect. <laughs> um, Good. Friedland Industries, it's spelled like Friedland, right? right? But, so it's a little weird pronunciation or weird spelling, but pronounced Friedland, Friedland Industries. Um, so that's FriedlandIndustries.com. And we're on Facebook and Twitter and all those too. And I can give those all to you for the show notes. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Um, for music, MikeBassMusic.com. Nice. Um, uh, TheFamilyBusinessExperience.com. That's for the podcast. Cool. And they can get that on iTunes as well. Scrapponomics. Dot com that just leads to the section in Friedland's website that has all those posts, all of the Scrapponomics episodes. Um, one thing about Connecting Hall that I forgot to mention, um, I just wanted to give mention this so when people try to use it, yeah, I'm only pursuing people uh, haulers who have a proven positive record. Got it. And when when they become members, I do a background check on them. Cool. So when people when they're using the site, they know that they're using that they're choosing from the best of the best. Sure, because you don't want to yeah. have just somebody come to your house. It's yeah. kind of personal. Sorry, that, that's a side note, but I just wanted to make sure that yeah. people knew that. But you're easy to find. Oh yeah, easy <laughs> to find. Yeah, people <laughs> no. can find me pretty much anywhere. Last question, man. It's a big one, but sure. What do you hope, or what do you think your legacy will be? Legacy. Yeah. Um, you know, I think I'd like to, I'd like to create something that's timeless, right? That outlasts me, outlasts, outlasts myself, I guess. Um, that even 200 years from now, people can look back on and say, yeah, that was sweet. You know, yeah. that was a great app when the apps existed. I don't know. You know? <laughs> yeah, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What's an app? <laughs> What's an app, right? It was something people thing. used in the old times. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, things like that, I, I think... It would be great to, at some point, I would love to get Connected Hall, for example, to a point where, where I could also help other, like students at MSU or LCC yeah. in business classes, for example. I think, you know, they're, pay, they're paying a lot of money to, to go to school. It would be great to be in a position where I could give sort of a lecture or a, a, do a sort of workshop that shows them how to conduct business or validate a demand for something in the in the real world I guess you know that something that they might not learn from a university yeah. or just from college sure. in general you Super know valuable, in an academic yeah. setting that they could use in real life because it's definitely different it, things are different yeah. <laughs> when they're changing all the time and I think millennials understand that um, I just want to it'd be great to see more cool. of that if that makes sense yeah it does so Mike Bass, everyone, 200 years, leaving a legacy, legacy lever. <laughs> we'll remember him for a long time. I hope so. We'll see. And multiple hat wear, Friedland Industries, founder and inventor of Connected Hall, musician, uh, podcast host, radio host, all <laughs> kinds of stuff. So great guy. Um, fun to hang out with, fun to just have a beer and uh, food with. So look Mike up. Good dude. Good friend of ours here at Michigan Creative. Mike, thanks for coming on, man. Thank you. And likewise, Brian, you're really kicking ass with cool. this podcast. And it's it's. I love what you're doing. Good, I man. Thanks. I love the concept. I love the types of people that you're bringing on. Yeah. Um, and yeah, man, it's all about small business. It's it is. Great, you know? Small business in Michigan, brother. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you. So Mike Bass again at Freeland Industries. Look up the show notes here when we get that up there and you can connect with him. Uh, it would be worth your time for sure. So once again, I'm Brian Town, host of The Business Machine and CEO of Michigan Creative. We'll see you next time on The Business Machine.